to thank Noel Blythe and the spiritual formation leadership team of our congregation for uh, resourcing us during this sermon series as we've each Sunday done a prayer exercise as a congregation to model for us what we can do to uh, enliven and make more meaningful our own personal prayer times. And I hope you will pay attention to the insert uh, that Noel referenced and take it home and uh, perhaps learn from that prayer exercise and from others and in your own personal walk. Uh, this is the final sermon in the series on prayer. So I would encourage you, uh, if you missed one of them, or even if you want to revisit, to go online, the church's website. There's a, a simple button to push for an audio of each of the sermons. You can also uh, uh, look a little further and you'll find sermon manuscript. And uh, you can also find the sermons on Facebook on the church's page. So uh, just to, to have that sense of hanging together in continuity uh, as we think together about this very important series, and especially this morning as we wrap up the series, we think about some practical issues of logistics. And so I want to read uh, one of the better known Bible passages about prayer, and uh, I find it to be among the most practical, from Paul's letter to the Philippians in the fourth chapter of Philippians, beginning in verse 4 and reading through verse 7. And I'll invite you, your attention to that, and it will be in your Bible as well, uh, or if you want a pew Bible, they're provided with the hymnals there in the backs of the seats. Let's stand together, and uh, God's Word will come among us as it is read aloud and enters our ears and hearts. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 4 and following, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A lot of our conversations about prayer are too general and too vague to be helpful. And so this morning I want this message to be practical and perhaps more practical uh, than sometimes. In fact, I want you to imagine that you and I have met for coffee because you had some questions about prayer and I have some things that I'm constantly learning about prayer and we're having a coffee conversation about prayer. And we're going to focus on verse 6 of Philippians 4 because that's the heart of what Paul has to say. Uh, and the very first thing I would point out to us is what's not in verse 6. What Paul does not say about prayer. If you look at verse 6 carefully, you don't see the Apostle Paul saying anything about there's a magical place to pray. You can only pray uh, in church or you can only pray in, home, in your home in a particular location. You don't see the Apostle Paul talking about any specific and magical location uh, or magical time. He doesn't say it has to be first thing in the morning. He doesn't say it has to be last thing at night or at noon. He does not give those specifics. He doesn't say that we have to wear special clothing. He doesn't have to say we, be, we have to consider ourselves spiritually deep to pray. 
nor does he say we have to use words like thee and thou uh, and some of the King James language, nothing wrong with that, but there, there are no language requirements about prayer. He doesn't say how long we're supposed to pray. Uh, sometimes people think there's a magical length that makes that prayer more spiritual. Those are some things he doesn't say. He also doesn't say anything about prayer posture because in Scripture, sometimes prayer is kneeling, sometimes it's standing, sometimes it's on the floor with your face down. I love this Far Side cartoon. Uh, the walruses are having worship, and the pastor walrus says, after last week's incident, I've decided we will no longer bow our heads to pray. And you see the Band-Aids on the chest of the poor walruses who bowed their heads to pray. Now, see, I, I was taking a chance. I wasn't sure the 815 crowd would appreciate Far Side humor. Uh, I love Far Side, you know. Uh, and so, a warning, don't bow your head if you have tusks, okay? And there are just a, a lot of things that are not in verse 6 about prayer. One of the things that is in verse 6, in fact, it's right in the middle, is the word thanksgiving. Uh, and, and it's an interesting thing that I think we need to do with verse 6, and that is start in the middle and then move out in each direction. Rather than starting with the first words, start with giving thanks. Now think about that. Giving thanks changes the whole mood of the, prayer, of the prayer experience. If we begin with gratitude and thinking about the things for which we're grateful, naming them, suddenly that changes the complexion of prayer and it moves the center of prayer gravity outside ourselves to God and others. It also changes prayer from something transactional to something relational. Let me unpack that for just a moment. Transactional praying is, God, I give you something, I, I cry and confess or beg, and then in return for my utter sincerity, you give me a break. That's transactional. And that's the way a lot of followers of Jesus live their lives. You know, a part of our church's new mission statement is that we grow faithfully. And if we're going to grow faithfully, we have to go deeper in our spiritual experiences and move beyond prayer as transactional and think of it as relational. Because prayer in thanksgiving reminds us that we're in a relationship with our heavenly parent. That through Jesus Christ, we have this relationship with God and that relationship is, is sort of framed in thanksgiving. So that a relational experience with God, thanksgiving will take us deeper in God, uh, deeper with other people, and I think it will take us deeper into ourselves. Now, the theme of thanksgiving as Paul's sort of anchor for this, for this teaching, uh, if we're having coffee together, I would hasten to add in my encouragement to you. Uh, thanksgiving means that we need to get over our guilt about not praying in a particular way or often enough. If there's one thing I know about my congregation, we are all horribly busy. Horribly busy. I also know that we all tend to feel pretty guilty about things we don't do right. In fact, Guilt is the Baptist drug of choice. 
we're, we're sort of addicted to guilt because if we can feel bad, then maybe we'll feel better. And we're addicted to this guilt, but we always assume we're doing prayer wrong. Well, I, I want to say to parents of small children, I kind of doubt you're going to be able to carve out one hour of prayer each day in, in a dedicated space and time. I want to say to to people with, with busy lives caring for loved ones or, or going about a job or maybe carrying three jobs. It's, it's not that easy. But you see, that doesn't excuse us from prayer because as you're caring for that preschooler, in, in her face, you can see the face of God. And as you're caring for her, you can offer thanks and you can pray for the shaping of her life. And you can pray for wisdom and insight. And for any of us, as we lie in bed at night and we can't sleep, and those what-ifs come pouring into our hearts and minds, and we start playing out horrible scenarios, what-if, 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 what if we turn some of that energy of worry into prayer? So that we can pray as the worry is transformed into something positive. So praying isn't about a set time, although that's wonderful if you can do that. Praying is about a spirit, as Noel taught us in the breath prayer. It's about an attitude. It's about a relationship. When I began, or before I began this sermon series, uh, through social media, I encourage people to talk to me about uh, what, what are your prayer habits? What works for you in prayer? What struggles do you have in prayer? What questions and doubts do you have about prayer? And, and one person who responded said that she likes to do what she calls prayer bubbles. That is, that in the moment when she's thinking about it, a worry, a concern, someone's face comes to mind, or a thanksgiving she, in the moment, is very honest, and she offers that to God and uses that moment as a prayer bubble, as opposed to saying, you know, later on or sometime this week, I should pray about that. And we all find ways to make prayer practical. Now, one of the things that almost always comes up when I have coffee conversations with others about prayer is someone says, well, you know, I really hate to bother God with small things. You know, God's got this great big world to take care of, and God's got a lot on his mind. He's got Rod Maples to take care of. I mean, think about that responsibility. I mean, huge responsibility. Whew. And, and sometimes we say, you know, I just hate to bother God with small things. But if you read the verse carefully, the Apostle Paul says, if it's big enough to bother you, it's big enough to pray about. Did you notice that? He said, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. He's saying if it's big enough to mess you up, if it's big enough to mess your mind, it's big enough to pray about. In fact, the word worry or anxious is some translations. Uh, for the Greek word is a word that means to pull apart, to 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 tear to pieces. And there are times when we feel like 
we are torn to pieces by life's burdens and life's struggles. And Paul says, you know, it doesn't have to be big. If it's big enough to tear you apart and distract you, it's big enough to pray about. And I have to pause here and say, sometimes when we say we don't want to bother God with our small things, that's not a noble concern about God's workload. That's really pride. I'm sorry to offend you, but that may not be a noble effort to keep God from having too much on God's shoulders. It may be pride that says, I don't want to admit I have a need. I don't want to admit that I don't have my life together. Because one of the hardest things for us to do is to admit vulnerability. To say, I don't have everything figured out and I'm scared. But I want you to remember the context. The Apostle Paul wrote the Philippian letter from a prison cell. And he was deeply concerned about people who had their life priorities all mixed up. And he was deeply concerned about some of his critics and the way, the, the way they were trying to destroy the gospel and hurt churches. Paul was a courageous man. He was a strong man but he was a man who was willing to acknowledge his weaknesses and his struggles and to say, I need God and I need prayer. When he writes, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He uses two phrases, prayer and supplications. Prayer the New Testament language is a broader category of general prayers. Supplications is a word that's translated meaning very specific, tiny prayers. In the Greco-Roman culture of Paul's day, the pagan believed that their pantheon of gods had no time for small stuff. The gods are only concerned about great matters. That's what Cicero once said. They're not concerned with small things. But aren't you glad that the God we know in Jesus Christ is concerned about small things? That this God made known to us in Jesus knows when a sparrow falls. He knows every heartache and every worry. That he really cares about things large and small. Somewhere in this coffee conversation that you and I are having, we eventually get around to the struggle that we both have with prayer life that goes stale, prayer habits that aren't working anymore. Um, we get stuck. And so I've developed sort of this in my mind uh, as I visit with people in this kind of conversation, what I call some prayer reboots, some things we can do to reboot our prayer lives. One of the things that we can do to reboot our prayer life is another ancient practice, uh, besides the breath prayer that was introduced, it's called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina, or translated, that means sacred reading, sacred reading. Lectio Divina is a very simple process that takes a brief passage of Scripture and reads it three or four times 
in succession, but between each reading, we pause to focus on a particular application in our lives, or we pause to imagine the scene, if it's a gospel scene or a gospel story, or we pause to focus on one word or one image or one particular thought that comes to mind, and then we, after some moments of silence, read it again. And then we read it again after some silence and some time lapse between. Lectio Divina. Because sometimes, you know, so many of us are uh, overachievers spiritually. We want to see how quickly we can read the Bible through. Or how many chapters we can read in one day. And I'm not minimizing Bible reading to master overarching themes, but sometimes we need to read a small passage of Scripture and read it several times and let that shape our prayer life. And when we do that, we ruminate on Scripture. We meditate on Scripture. We chew on it. And we let the same truth come at us several times, rather than trying to go broad with lots of Bible scriptures, we go deep with one. There are other reboots for our prayer lives. Reading the Psalms. After all, the book of Psalms is the prayer book of Israel. Uh, We can actually pray those Psalms. Uh, As Hannah mentioned last week, we can color, we can draw, we can sculpt, Uh, We can paint, we can sing, we can listen to music, we can develop prayer practices if we're serious about this communication and this relationship with God through prayer. Now here's the exciting thing. I thought of this as Noel was leading our prayer practice this morning. Neuroscience has made some amazing advances in research by hooking up all of those uh, wires and doing some experiments, they have discovered that positive things happen in portions of the brain. Positive impact is made in certain regions of the brain when a person is meditating, praying, softly singing prayers or scriptures or chants or a repeated prayer phrase, that actually prayer and meditation can help shape the brain positively. Is it any wonder that Paul continued this theme of prayer by saying, when you do that, The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will surround, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now picture that. That's a military phrase uh, in the New Testament Greek, that the peace of God will mount a garrison around your hearts. The peace of God will, will form troops of protection around your heart and around your mind. You think about that in light of what we we talked about a moment ago about neuroscience research and the healthy brain habits. The peace of God makes a circle around us, and in fact, the peace of God is always there, but in prayer it is brought to a conscious level. 
The peace of Christ is always there. But in prayer, it is brought to a conscious level. So I thought we would look at, look at verse 7. Uh, and I'm going to show it on the screen. And I want you to... I want, you, I want us to do a Lectio Divina with this verse. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to pause for prayer as you focus on a word or an image or a thought or an application. And then I'll read it again and we let this verse wash over us and we let this verse form our prayer. The peace of God, in fact, let's read it aloud together. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Bow your heads, please. I'm going to read it to you as you bow and as you find a word, an image, a thought, an application to sort of wash over you and come into your mind. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you, gracious, eternal Father, for the privilege of a prayer relationship with you. Take us deeper, take us farther, take us into your love. Amen.